The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, this is Mike Rogers with another great Welsh Wire conversation. Now, here's Sherry Welsh. We're here today with Mary Jane Mapes. Mary Jane is a leadership and communication strategist. She's an executive coach, and she's founder of the Aligned Leader Institute. Mary Jane, welcome to the Welsh Wire. Thank you. It's great to be here. Glad to have you here today. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in the work that you do and what you do with the clients you work with. Well, I got started 35 years ago. Now, some of your listeners may be old enough to remember 35 (laughs) years ago. We hope so. But 35 years ago, there was a major economic downturn that truly resulted in the closing of a family business that Mm. we had. At the time, I was a stay-at-home mom, and I quickly realized that I really needed to become a full-time employed person. Sure. Because, as you know, well, you may not know, my background is in education. By degree, I'm in education, so I sought out teaching positions, and there was absolutely nothing within a 70-mile radius of Kalamazoo, and that was just un unheard of that I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, of course. So I said, I've got to consider other options. And the only option that I could think about that appealed to me at all was to start my own business by selling training services to local companies, big companies, small companies, actually, at the time, whoever would hire me, right? Well, my very first uh, program was one that actually helped people become confident and skilled speaking on the platform. In other words, presentation Mm -hmm. skills. And one of my very first clients was, uh, some may recall, the Upjohn Company, large pharmaceutical firm located right here in Kalamazoo. Not only did I do all their presentation training, but they would send me out to work with their customers. And in sending me out to work with their customers, that called on me for different programs, different communication programs, different leadership programs. And of course, all those programs with all of those other groups of people led to speaking engagements, which led to other training programs, which led to other speaking engagements, which eventually led to uh, coaching, executive coaching with higher ups in the organization. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. So today, I work uh, primarily with uh, small, mid-sized business owners Mm -hmm. uh, who are looking to build stronger teams or with corporate leaders who are really um, looking to build, expand, I should say, their knowledge base, expand their skill set so they can perform at a higher level, either in the work they're doing or actually looking to move up to the highest levels in the organization. Right. And I do do some work with uh, entrepreneurs as well, but great. that's what I do. Great. That's a wonderful springboard, a broad, rich background of experience that you bring 
to the work that you're doing, working with people at very different levels in the organization, I imagine a myriad of different kinds of companies and industries. Absolutely. That informs your work. So that's really interesting. And you do a lot of work with leaders on executive presence, among other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what we really want to talk about today is, you know, tell us, how do you define executive presence? What is it? Well, I always define it as a combination of what I would call poise and confidence and authenticity. Those are the big three in my mind that allows somebody to really connect, to engage, and leave people wanting more. In other words, Sherry Welsh, I want to hear... I want to hear from more from her. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like that person. She looks like somebody who's a cut above. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which we know you are. <laughs> well, that's kind of you to say, but but I think I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I bet that some of our listeners today are thinking, you know, I've been an executive for a while. I've been a leader for a while. I think I've got that covered. I'm sure there are some that think they do. I'm sure there are others that are wondering if they do. Like I, I think I might be a person that makes a good impression and you know draws others in, but. One thing's for sure, we all want to be perceived by others as a leader or an expert in our field, someone that others want to do business with. That's for sure, right? Exactly. So tell us, what is it that you feel that others look for in someone that they're willing to follow and trust? What kind of what kind of things do others look for? Well, there was a survey, a pretty extensive survey done not too many years ago by the Center for Talent Innovation, and okay. they literally interviewed uh, 4,000 4, college-educated professionals. They had uh, focus groups. 268 of those 4,000-something were senior executive officers, and oh, they wow. actually came out and asked them. They said, when you're evaluating somebody for executive presence, what do you look for? Okay. And it all boiled down to basically three things, okay. how you act, how you speak, and how you look. Would you like to know a little bit more I about those? I <laughs> would love to hear more about those. So, um, and, and do you, I mean, are they all three equally important? Tell us about that too. Tell us, tell us about okay. that a little bit more. Uh, well, how you act is pretty broad, but okay. in essence, it covers things like integrity. In other words, your character. Do you actually walk your talk? Do you actually live what you espouse as your values? How about your competency? Do you have not just depth, but breadth of knowledge? Your ability to command a room, your decisiveness, your courage, the courage that you have to ask the tough questions and deal with the more difficult issues that um, are important to your organization. But most importantly, and I say most importantly because it is, and that is your ability to maintain calm in the midst of a storm. Mm, that's not easily done. No. Can I give you an, a quick example sure, of that? Sure, yeah. Uh, because I think your listeners will probably remember the name Sully Sullenberger. It wasn't that many years ago. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Airways pilot who literally landed his aircraft, 158 people, I believe, uh, were on board on the Hudson River after his plane literally flew into a flock of Canadian geese. Yeah, killed the engines and yes. down they went. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that. he became, if you remember, just like an instant hero. Overnight, mm-hmm. he was a hero. And a lot of people thought, yeah, because, you know, he landed that plane and not one person was hurt. But in reality, in studying and looking at it, it wasn't so much that people weren't hurt. It was the fact that he had the presence of mind 
that calm under extreme pressure mm-hmm. to make a decision that saved the lives of those 158 people. Not one person was was injured. There were a couple people scratched, but that was about it. Right. So he right. had that emotional calm that allowed him to think clearly and make the best decision. Right. And, you know, as you tell that story, too, I have to believe that his calm presence, because he had to be speaking overhead to his flight attendants and other crew members on there, there were things that they were probably needing to do to ready the cabin, ready the passengers, everyone to take that water landing, which had to be harsh and difficult, um, yeah. which also you know prevented people from getting injured, save lives mm-hmm. in the process. So he not only studied that airplane and did technically what he needed to do, but from a commanding presence and a calm nature, he kept his team calm so they could do what they needed to do, do their part. And that's, I mean, that's sort of an interesting story too for Business leaders, right? Mm-hmm. That's an excellent story. In fact, um, there are a lot of people say, "Oh, I saw the movie." Well, actually, the book is even better. Oh, I bet. But um, you can always get that, and it's called Sully. So yeah, I'd highly recommend. Yeah, it. lots to learn there. So, act- but there's more than how you act. Yes. There's also how you speak. Mm. Your your tone, your bearing, your body language. It has everything to do with your ability to uh, read a room, mm-hmm. to read your boss, to read your client, to read a vendor. Because when you're able to read people, you can make on-the-spot decisions about, is it time to change direction? Um, Is there something here I need to attend to? Is there something going on that maybe we need to discuss? And so when the people listening to this think about their team, when they're sitting with a team member or they're sitting maybe with a whole team, are they able to actually read that team in a way that lets them know I'm buying this, I'm understanding this, hey, I'm with you, I'm committed, or are they reading something different? Mm-hmm. Because if we don't uncover some of those things, uncover some of those things, um, it could be, yeah. they might not get the result they want. Absolutely not, for mm-hmm. sure. It's also the ability to speak, not just on the platform, in meetings, knowing when to speak, how to speak, what time to speak, um, and when not to speak, and also in writing, because if we write a clear proposal, that's usually a reflection of our ability to think clearly. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is how you look. Mm-hmm. In other words, your overall appearance, your body type, your fitness, your energy, your vigor, your grooming, and your polish, and really the last two, vigor and energy, Uh, polish and grooming are the most important. Right, right. And a lot of that is drawn in with a first impression when someone walks into a room. But you know, it it struck me too, that as you talk about how you act and how you communicate, some of that is, um, is acquired over time by someone who's judging your executive presence, right? So instantly, Mm -hmm. they might not be able to see your courage, or they might not be able to assess all of your communication skills. But that comes slowly over time. To right, where you establish your leadership and executive presence. You're absolutely right. For some of these things, people have to know you. Yeah, to be able to get to that place where they can make a judgment about that. So mm-hmm. say, you know, going over those three pillars, how you act, how you communicate, how you look, are they all equally important? Or do you feel like there's one or two that really rise to the top of that list? Well, actually, it depends on the time. It depends on where it's going to be. For instance, they're all important. Sure. You can't have one without the other. However, even though how you look 
out of 100%, it's only 5%. Mm-hmm. It's only worth about 5%. But as you know, first impressions are often lasting. And if you can't get through that first impression, then they'll never get a chance to find out how you act, what your character is like, or how you speak. So true that judgment's already been made. And like we just talked about, since how you act and communicate come along a little bit later in the process, if it's shut down too early with how you look, they've made a judgment that everything falls apart. They're very interesting. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, Mary Jane, how do you compensate? Okay. So if you have a, a lack of experience or technical knowledge in a given area, um, you're asked questions that you know you you can't really quite answer and might make you feel a little incompetent in the conversation or the presentation or whatever it is that you're doing. I mean, what can you do? How can you respond to that to maintain your executive presence? Well, I say one word, and that one word is prepare. Ah. Be prepared. Well, that's two words, but <laughs> it is but two good ones. Great advice. So somebody once said that uh, preparation was the greatest substitute for talent that you'll find. You don't have to be brilliant. You don't have to be the most educated. You don't even have to have the most talent, but you do need to be prepared. Yes. And um, there's a woman by the name of Barbara Corcoran that some of your listeners might be familiar with, but she's a shark on the television show Shark She is a shark Mm -hmm. and she's great. She said that, um, you know, there are two keys to success. One, you better look the part, but number two, you'd better be confident. And when you are prepared, you can be confident. Right. A kind of confidence that you'd never have if you weren't prepared. Absolutely. So that's interesting you say that, um, you know, being in the executive search business, um, we work with our clients and setting up resumes for candidates that we're representing to them. And we always work with them prior to the interview to help them get prepared, make sure their questions are answered and they're ready to go. And we talk about that. Many times we'll get the question, you know, do you coach candidates or candidates will say, can you tell me what questions they're going to ask? Well, to be honest, most times we don't have any idea what our clients are going to ask. And we wouldn't tell them if we did know. But we do encourage them to be prepared by thinking through their background and skills and experience so that no matter what question they're asked, they are confident, top of mind, ready to go and talk about all of the good things in their career and the challenges too that they've overcome. But you know, it never occurred to me that really what we're doing is helping them feel confident to handle whatever comes their way. And you're saying that that is the I mean, that's a great way to exude executive presence is some confidence from being prepared. Exactly. That's great. And it's especially important if you feel that you're going to be asked questions that are outside of your area of expertise. What better way than to corral someone that has an expertise and say, hey, I'm going to be asked some questions. Will you help me generate? Here's the situation. Can you help me generate some questions that someone from this particular arena outside may ask me given this topic? Yeah. They generate the questions. They help you generate responses to that. Sounds a little like cheating. It's not. I just call it being really prepared so oh, you can ask sure. questions and get that down. And then you write out that bottom line response. You don't go into another whole story, but a bottom line response. If there are any quick examples, that's terrific too. Rehearse, 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 just like you would if you were having a prepared presentation. Absolutely. So that you can be spontaneous 
when they ask the question. Now, are they going to ask the questions that you've written down? Because I always say, what questions do you hope they ask? What do you hope they don't ask? What do you think they'll ask? What what questions do you want them to ask? All of those questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, they probably will never ask exactly those questions, but you're going to be so prepared. You'll go in with a confidence, and you'll have prepared enough that you'll be able to handle them, Absolutely, so. for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's great, great advice. Mm-hmm. So if listeners are thinking, look, at one area, I can concentrate maybe on one area. What do you feel holds the most power or influence in establishing executive presence? Well, again, according to the survey, yes. and when I just look at things that I've noticed over the thir- last 35 years, sure. it really is that area of how you act and the aspect of how you act mm-hmm. is that emotional control, your ability to manage your mind, master your emotions so that you can ultimately control your behavior. Mm, so important. So mm. how do you do that? Well... To maintain that grace under pressure, there's this is what all of my coaching clients, I have them do this. And those that will actually follow through and do it begin to see patterns. And once you begin to see a pattern, you heighten your awareness. We know awareness is the beginning of change. This is the process. I say get a binder, three-ring binder. And every day when you begin to feel, at any time during the day, when you begin to feel agitated or you begin to feel frustrated or irritated or some negative emotion rises up that could lead to some negative behavior, then write it down. And these are the four things to write down. Number one, what was happening? In other words, what happened when that came up? Number two, what were you thinking What were you thinking? Number three, how are you feeling? And number four, and this is the big one, what were you really telling yourself? And this is the information I think it's important. Most of our upset, our anger, our frustration oftentimes comes from fear. Mm. And there are three major fears, and most all the fears we experience can be categorized under one of these three. One is loss of acceptance. We could say loss of identity, loss of love, loss of... The second is loss of control, uh, loss of manageability, loss of money, loss of, you know, just the ability to get your arms around something and you be the one in charge of it. Mm -hmm. And the third is the loss of esteem, the fear that comes from turning in a poor performance. In other words, fear of failure. Mm. So if you think, what was I really telling myself when that came up? You can almost always identify one of those three major fears. Then when you begin to see this pattern, you say, control, control, control. Ooh, I see I have a control. Then you begin to challenge yourself and say, wait a minute. Am I really losing control? Am I losing control of my job? Is it, am I going to lose control of my finances? Am I going to lose control? And always, the answer is always, always the same. And the answer is, you, I say usually and always, it's almost always no, no. If it's loss of acceptance, loss of love, loss of, you know, they don't like me, they don't care about me. Um well, does my family love me? Yes. Do my children love me? Yes. Do my friends love me? Yes. So am I really losing? Ex- no. And so once but it's we your perception. It, yeah. yeah. And that becomes your reality, right? Yes. Well, and these fears are created before we ever get to the age of reason. So they're driving us from a subconscious level yeah. 
or yeah. an unconscious level. But this brings it to the light of day, That's and now I can begin to, to see what's really at the bottom of these things that often result in conflict or in behaviors that are not productive. Right. And that's really a great tip, writing it down when it's happening, as it's happening, because I can imagine there are certain situations that you might note that come from maybe a fear of failure and other situations that rise up that come from a fear of a loss of control. I mean, you could toggle back and forth between these three different areas on a given situation, but Noting it in the time as it happened, what you're feeling helps you to discern exactly what's going on and address that area. Right. And then I always say, here's the next thing. I always say, then when that comes up, push pause, push pause, Mm -hmm. pause, stop and think. Will this thought, now this goes back to the thinking, but will this thought get me where I want to go? Mm, And if the answer is no, The next question is, then what thought will? Oh, great. Yeah, that's great. Wow. If we could only train ourselves to do that on a regular basis, we could really overcome things that are Mm -hmm. hindering us. That's great, great advice. Um, You know, I'm thinking that some of our listeners might be hearing this today, Mary Jane, thinking, you know, my leadership team could really benefit from this. They could I think there's some folks on my team that really could use help in developing their executive presence. What are your thoughts on how a leader can help their team develop executive presence? How do they do that? Mm-hmm. Well, leadership teams on the whole need to be developed. Yeah. You say you use the term develop, and that is the key. It's, well, help them get developed. Mm-hmm. People want effective leadership teams, but then they neglect to spend the time and or the willingness to spend the money necessary to truly develop their people. But if they're willing to get them the coaching or they're willing to get them the training or create the mentoring for those people, uh, preferably all three, because we can we learn from from many things in many yeah. ways. Different methods exactly. and approaches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Then they can experience uh, what I would call exponential growth. And I say that because I've seen that, not only in their capability, their capacity, their confidence, their competence level um, across the board, but it's recognized the significance, the importance of developing your employees. Right. And then doing it, making a commitment to doing it, yeah, exactly. which which you do so well and have mm-hmm. done for years for so many organizations. So, Mary Jane, if our listeners want to reach out to you for more information on your thoughts on executive presence or on your leadership programs, and you know maybe want to find out what you could do to help them, how can they best get in touch with you? Well, they could get in touch with me via my email, Mary Jane at Mary Jane Mapes, and I'm going to spell the last name M. A-P-E-S, Mary Jane at MaryJaneMapes.com, or they could go to my website, and I'm going to send them to my personal website, uh, MaryJaneMapes.com. Yes, perfect. They can reach out to you there. This has been very enlightening. Great conversation on executive presence. I think our listeners are all in the same place I am right now, really reflecting like, There's some good ideas and tips to take away here and and how can I do better? And you've given us lots to think about and work on. Thanks for being our guest today on The Welsh Wire. Mary Jane Mapes of the Aligned Leader Institute. Thank you. 
It was a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.